The thing is, Yoselin never showed up with the kids to the swimming lesson. So naturally, I assume the mother ends up calling but didn't get an answer, so she goes home. And when she gets home, she discovers something extremely terrible. And when she gets inside, she discovered that her two children were stabbed multiple times and were in well, the giggle Activia. bite. Yeah, Do you really? Yeah, it's like Activia. I don't have anything wrong with it. It's like the tastes. Serious. <laughs> <laughs> I have Google Fiber. Leave that part in. Everyone, I have Google Fiber. This is battle. We're bros and murder. And it's just us two today. We bring you true crime cases of color and musicians you've probably never heard of before. So sit back, <laughs> relax, and get the fuck ready for what we're about to throw down to you today. <laughs> and that's the intro. <laughs> what the fuck is Google Fiber? <laughs> Google Fiber's internet, bro. Oh, I've never even heard of that. It's like, it's like I have like one, uh, one, you know, it's really fast internet. Oh, the 5G. That, yeah. that, that shit Ben Shapiro. It's, fiber, it's fiber internet. It's really fast. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like good. a it's thousand, a thousand um, megabit downloads. So one gigabyte downloads. So it's really fast. Gigglebytes. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so this episode, it's just the two of us. Because shit happens. So <laughs> this theme is... Was paranormal, right? It was your idea, right? It's like paranormal, it? supernatural. Mine, like, is that the show? No, it's just like something that happens because of paranormal stuff that's going on. Yeah, ghostly weekly woos. Now, mine is paranormal, but also very <laughs> grounded in reality and real. Like, you can't blame the ghosts for the crime, but maybe they were the catalyst. So, I mean, do you want me to go first, or I know yours is like shorter? Yeah, you could go first. Okay. <laughs> All right. So now mine is about a spiritual advisor who arranged a murder of a couple that owed her money for lifting a curse. Now, I will say that these are Vietnamese names, so I might mess them up in pronunciation. So now Vietnamese immigrants Long Najin and Hong Lee came to the United States in 2000, right? Mm-hmm. Fresh start. Living the American dream. Now, unfortunately, this really bad actor of a spiritual advisor would take advantage of them and would ultimately lead to both of their murders. Now, so this couple bought their family and moved to Arlington, Texas. And I, I don't see it for Texas. I don't know why anyone would choose to move there. I never had fun. Food's good. That's about it. Now, the area where they moved to was a thriving community at the time of mostly Vietnamese people and those roots stretched back to like the 1970s. The couple opened up a commercial sewing business and their son-in-law named Tran was the face of the business and he he was mainly because he was the best English speaker so mm -hmm. he just fit the role. Over the next decade the business grew and eventually landed contracts with Disney. By 2011 however their fortunes had like dried up completely and due to their cultural background they assumed that there was some uh curses or bad spirits haunting them causing them this misfortune so they sought spiritual aid to put them back on the top 
The family had believed that a curse had been placed on their business and the only way to get rid of it was through a spiritual advisor. Mm. In a Vietnamese newspaper, they found an ad for a woman named Daphne Wright who lived in Houston, which is like almost 300 miles away. Texas is obnoxiously big. It's annoying to drive through also. It's so boring. <laughs> like... It's just flatlands and hats. That's <laughs> <laughs> not a fan. Flatlands and hats. <laughs> you can put, like yeah, that. put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> So now she advised that she could take off bad curses and she also advertised in this newspaper publicly that she could also put them on people. So mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever you needed, she was there for it. She's basically like Ursula for the Vietnamese community in Texas. <laughs> Ursula? <laughs> A baddie. <laughs> so now Tran, the son-in-law, traveled to meet her and using a credit card attached to the sewing business, he paid Daphne to remove the curse he believed was ruining his family business. Despite Daphne's supposed mystical powers, the company's finances kept going south. And they went into debt, <laughs> continuing to pay for her services. And just guess how much they owed her? Ten grand? No. No, baby. More? Mm-hmm. 110 grand more two hundred and eighty thousand dollars two hundred and ten grand two hundred and eighty thousand dollars that's a lot of money for spiritual um that sounds like a church it's like after you think the first you know curse removal didn't work bought a new witch <laughs> let me keep going back to the same one so, a couple of days went by after, well, this, this happened over the course of months, obviously. And at one point on June 10th, 2012, Tran called 911 because he hasn't heard anything from his in-laws. And he requested a wellness check on them. Mm-hmm. Investigators get to their small apartment and it was a complete mess. Oh. In the bedroom, uh, the police say they noticed a, bu- a bloody handprint on the wall next to a small closet. Inside that closet were the bodies of 72-year-old Long Najin and his wife, Lee, stuffed in there. Not only stuffed, but they were hog-tied with duct tape, y- yards, like literal yards of duct tape, duct taped around their face and head and nose. Were they suffocated? Uh, I'm going to get there. Because they were, cause the couple also appeared to have been beaten brutally with blunt force objects in the autopsy revealed that the death was suffocation so they were beaten Jesus. severely and then had their faces and nose and mouths duct taped to suffocate that is brutal that sounds like for, overkill for a two elderly an elderly couple yeah you don't i don't think you need that force to you don't need all that that's a lot Mm-mm. So now the apartment, they also noted that the apartment showed signs of a life and of a life and death struggle, and it was completely ransacked. Uh, they also found drug paraphernalia, including, and I'm only saying it like this because I kept seeing it in different articles and I find it funny. A smoked marijuana cigarette. What? Yes. A joint? Yeah. And that's what a lot of different news articles kept saying, calling it just a marijuana cigarette. And that marijuana cigarette was laid out on a table, very plainly in view, in view 
next to a random blue bandana wrapped around a beer bottle obviously trying to suggest there was like gang activity or involvement in some way you know trying to say oh yeah. here's a band yeah was so it now, the son-in-law i'm gonna get there i'm gonna get there so now investigators learned that the deceased couple had a one million dollar life insurance policy between the both of them tran was one of the beneficiaries Detectives spoke to him again on June 3rd, so this was a day after they found the bodies, and he was very cooperative. He had his story and his alibi, like, ready, and he was also confirmed. His alibis were confirmed by multiple people, including multiple family members. So he was not, couldn't be placed anywhere near or around the, you know, apartment or in it. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, with no leads, no DNA evidence at the scene of the crime that was, you know, bringing up anything, the case went cold for almost three years until October 2015, where a DNA match finally came through, which was pulled off said marijuana cigarette. <laughs> now, the DNA on the marijuana cigarette belonged to a, at the time in 2015, 20-year-old Willie Guillory. Who had recently been arrested for stealing a horse because you know texas now willie was 16 at the time of the murders and had never been arrested for a felony before so he never had to like submit mm. his dna to the codis which is the national database for criminal offenders mm -hmm. but once he was arrested you know he had to submit his dna and he got a hit he was brought in for questioning because he was still in parole at the time and as soon as he was brought in he made a full confession. He oh, he was just like, oh, yeah, I totally did that. Yeah, he didn't did. He, they didn't take long for them to press him. He completely just opened right up and started telling everyone what happened. Now, Willie told detectives that at the time of the murder, he was living in Houston with his uncle, 49 year old Bobby. Again, Texas. Mm -hmm. On the night of June 9th, this is a couple of days before the murder. His uncle brought him along on a three hour drive to Arlington. His uncle had been hired by Daphne Wright, spiritual advisor, to shake down the elderly couple for the money that they owed her. Uh, she offered them about $10,000. Dang, $10,000 to beat up old people? Yeah. So they entered the apartment with a key that Daphne Wright gave them. Suspicious how she get a key, right? And they went in there and waited for the family. They also brought along drug paraphernalia and a bandana in order to mislead the investigators to think that it was like a local gang that came in and robbed them. However, Willie made a stupid mistake of smoking said marijuana that he brought to place his evidence and still placed it as evidence, <laughs> not realizing he would be leaving his DNA behind. Bobby and Willie just laid in wait until the couple came home. As they walked in through the front entrance, Willie beat both of them unconscious with a baseball bat. Why? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, if you're just going to ruffle some feathers, like, why are you going to beat the shit out of someone with a baseball bat? I didn't think he understood the assignment. He was... I, I, no. So that's the best I can assume is that he just like, didn't understand the purpose of what... I don't Because they, they said he immediately just beat them with the bat. So, because they're elderly, they're not going to, you know... they're. They're going to look pretty, you know, bruised and beat up from that. And the uncle panicked, assuming that they were both going to be dead anyway. Brought them to the bathroom, duct taped their mouths, eyes, nose shut, and threw them in a closet. When, you know, and they suffocated. So after the three people involved got arrested, 
the real or the rest of the story started kind of like coming out bit by bit, but I kind of don't believe most of it. So Daphne called Bobby, offered him 10 grand to shake down the family. After she learned about their insurance, this is what she said. She learned about their insurance. She hit up Tran to, you know, work together. Like, hey, instead of me just beating their ass to get this money, how about we kill them and then we split the million? Tran agreed to help. <sighs> yeah, he agreed to help stage the murders in order to collect the money. So now the only reason why he's not arrested, because in exchange for complete immunity, he cooperated fully with authorities. He said, because now this is the, the conflicting story. He said that his family was terrified of Daphne Wright and was just scared of what she might do with her mystical powers if they don't pay up. Mm. So Tran claimed that his mother-in-law had the idea to sacrifice herself to collect on the insurance money and pay off the debt to the family. Which immediately calls into question, okay, let's say this was true and she was sacrificing herself. Why did her husband also get murdered? And why because maybe because they both got murdered because they, in order to get the full million dollars, they had to both be dead. Because if it's like, what if they're each five hundred thousand dollars ahead? You know what I mean? Like if their life insurance policy capped out at five hundred or four hundred fifty thousand dollars each person, so to get the maximum amount, both of them had to die. Okay, let's say let's, let's follow this train of thought. You know, you're setting up your own death. Train of thought. Train of thought. <laughs> you're setting up your own death to help pay off this witch you owe money to. Mm-hmm. Why would you choose to be beaten with a bat and suffocated with duct tape? To make I, it look like gay activity. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're already stating marijuana cigarette and get a gun someone get a gun just shoot me in the back of the head like at that like don't i don't want to i don't want to suffocate and be beaten with a bat by some 16 year old pile of weed how a marijuana cigarette where's nancy grace when you need her this is the case that she was looking for marijuana <laughs> killed these family so now daphne and bobby got life in prison willie he got 20 something years he's actually going to be out in 2025 when he's 29 and Tran, that piece of shit, because I don't believe a story, is still walking free. Dang. I don't know, though, because I'm, like, thinking about, like, my family. There's so many really weird superstitions about things. And then when I'm talking about my family, I'm talking about, like, the Filipino side of the family. Like, there's a lot of superstitions that we have, and it's just really, I am just dumbfounded sometimes. I'm like, what? no, no. Uh, I, I, so when I was in a guitar, I can't I made predict when people are pregnant. Stop. So I Just didn't realize stop. this. So like when I was a guitar, I made friends with one of the workers there. It's a nice lady, and she's like around my our age. So like we all connect with her really well. She's fun as hell. Mm-hmm. And one day we're out at the top off, which is like this little bar place, getting drinks. And I'm like hammered. And she's like, "Oh well, get some chicken noodle soup." And I was like, "What? Why?" And she was like. Oh, no, it's good for you. When you're drinking a bunch, you get some soup and you're good. I was like, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> yeah, that would make me feel very full. I already feel full when drinking beer. So I couldn't imagine having to do soup on top of that. Imagine doing like a thick a thick bisque. 
Mm. Put some cornstarch <laughs> in it to make it even more thick. <laughs> you feel it going by your throat? <laughs> it's like baby spit. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that was my case. The battle. It t- top that. And now, a short commercial break. Uh, I can't top it, but it's kind of... Mine is really sad. Well, I think it's sad. Uh, it's a very grim case. Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Mm. Oh, no. Material girl! So, it's a grim case, so trigger warning. If you have kids, today my episode is about a nanny who... Can- so, this case is pretty horrifying. A very horrifying one at that. And... Uh, and on October 25th of 2012, the parents of two sweet children had their lives changed forever. So the nanny's name that I'm going to be talking about is Rosalind Ortega. She is a native of Santiago de Caballeros in the Dominican Republic. And eventually she immigrated towards the United States or to the United States and became a naturalized citizen. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Mm. So during the time in the States, she lived in Hamilton Heights, in a ha- Hamilton Heights neighborhood in Manhattan with her son, sister, and her niece. And the the timeline on where she lived and where she lived, it was kind of like weird to me because I was reading a lot of different sources. There's a lot of different sources on this person. Mm-hmm. She lived in a lot of places, but this is one that I, I could dial down to. So she lived there with her with these people her son came eventually later when she went to go visit and came back and came back with him and for her she had a lot of financial problems according to some sources but she always worked and during this year that Yoselin murdered these two children which by the way even though she had a hard like time it doesn't excuse her actions by the way were, the, were these her children or someone no else? she's okay. a nanny it's another it's a different family so she had a lot of financial heartaches or hard times during this time this year that all this happened so she ends up going to go visit brings her son back and by then she's already working for them but we'll get to that a little bit later we're going to jump around a little bit so she brings her son here oh. and her son her son, her son goes to a private school, which is common for people in the Bronx area, the area that she lived in, to go to a private school. However, it was really expensive, and she got some people to help, but then she was responsible ultimately for the tuition. And eventually that, that time she was able to get an apartment, but then she lost that apartment because it was too expensive. And she eventually had to move back with her sister, and during this time, she's working as a job, working as a nanny, and she got this job or this lead from her sister, who's also a na- nanny. And by the way, during this time, nannies only made about $18,000 a year, which is probably why she was, or $18, dollars $18, $18 per hour, which is less than $32,000 a year after wait, taxes. Wait, what year was this? This was in 2012. Okay. I know nannies now, they, they try, they, Usually should be charging a reasonable amount. That's way yeah, that's way too low. They watching people's goddamn kids. But yeah, needless to say, it wasn't enough money for her and for anyone really. Eighteen dollars an hour is not a lot. I'm sorry. No, um, especially as an adult mm-hmm, with a kid or kids. So 
going back to this family, this family that Yoslin worked for looked at Yoslin as part of their own family and everything seemed fine. They even flew out to her hometown in the Dominican Republic to meet her, her family before they actually hired her. So they wanted to do their due diligence to make sure whoever they were getting was a good candidate to watch their kids. Why they go meet her family? I don't know. I think it's just, it's some, I think they also did it as a vacation because even uh, when she was also working for them, she would, when she would go back to visit, they would go with her just to go visit and like, I think vacation experience. Time, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But ultimately, I think they wanted to do their due diligence. And this started to weigh heavy on her because some sources said that while she was watching their kids, they also had her do like housekeeping stuff for her for them even though she was only meant said she was only there to be a nanny not like clean their house and stuff so i think that like agitated her but on the outside looking in everything was fine even the family said they thought everything was fine but apparently not everything was good and where the spiritual thing comes in we will get to that in a little bit but on october 25th of 2012 Jocelyn was to take two of their three kids to meet up with the mother at the swimming lesson, at one of the kids' swimming lessons. After the swimming lessons, they were going to go and head out to one of the children's dance recital, according to the Huff Post. The thing is, Jocelyn never showed up with the kids to the swimming lesson. So naturally, I assume the mother ends up calling but didn't get an answer so she goes home and when she gets home she discovers something extremely terrible and when she gets inside she discovered that her two children were stabbed multiple times and were in a bathtub in the house and they were fully clothed and the crazy thing is as she walked into the bathroom Yoslin shoved a knife in her own throat and tried to slit her own throat and she also cut herself too Oh, okay. Hold, hold up, hold up. So, she was still in the bathroom with the two kids' bodies when the yes. parent walked in. And as soon as mm-hmm. the parent walked in, she tried to stab herself. Mm-hmm. She, no, she stabbed herself. She cut her own neck. Like, she stuck the neck, the knife in her throat and, like... So, was she waiting for them to return just to do that? Or, I don't, or maybe I think, did it all just happen and... It probably all just happened... Um, Jesus. and there was like, I'm pretty sure these were like overkill too. There was like, when I say multiples, like upwards of like 30 stabs in one child and then like eight in the other child, which kind of sucks. Well, it, it really does suck. There reminds me of another case kind of similar where his mom stabbed her through a two-year-old baby, like 19 times. Yeah. Like the baby survived though. That was a crazy thing. It's just wild. I could never, mm-mm. I have so, a survival book. I'm sorry, this is another quick deviation. I have a survival book, and there's like one chapter on like people's likeliness to survive. And there's one passage that always like stayed out of my mind. It said, "Babies are fragile, but yet resilient." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> great tidbit." <laughs> <laughs> so, unfortunately for Yoslin, she survived. And she was eventually taken into custody, but she was not immediately charged because she was in the hospital and they had her intubated because of her wounds. Eventually, though, she was indicted on murder charges, but on her hospital bed, she pled 
not guilty. And this was done by her lawyer who entered a plea deal for Yaslin. Once she was out of the hospital, her sentencing didn't happen until 2008. And it was said that she was pure evil. And at first she tried to play insanity. However, the jury did not acknowledge that she was insane and they deemed her fit for her crime. And what's crazy about this was that her defense, oops, her defense tried to play it off like demons or the devil was telling her to do this, which is the supernatural part that comes into it. So they said that she was possessed or she had some type of mental ailment or mental break and she was hearing voices of like demons telling her to do this. But during the same time, like I said, she had a lot of financial problems. Stuff was weighing heavy, according to some sources that it said that she did not like that she was being treated like a house cleaner versus a nanny and things like that. So there was a lot going on. However, I don't think that is an excuse for murdering people. No, that's an excuse to go get therapy. Yeah. So in 2018, she was given a life sentence and she is still there to this day. And for this case, that's my case, but I did have a really hard time with this case, mostly because it involved children. I don't like cases, especially now that I'm a parent. It's like really weird to read about them. And these parents had to go through a lot. And for me, knowing that a life can be taken so easily scares me. And again, because it's I have a daughter of my own now. And this case i was very conflicted about whether or not i should say the names because you can easily find them if you wanted to but i think it's important to say their names and talk about the family a little bit because some good came out of this tragic event or this tragic event the, these murders so the family actually started a nonprofit called choose creativity and what the nonprofit does is provide creative education programs for disadvantaged children and this was done in honor of lulu and leo the two children that they lost that day they do have an instagram page that you can go check out it's called lulu leo fund and they're still active on it there and since the loss of their two children they had two more children and they continue loving each other and loving life every day and that is my case that 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 was a ride wow ah Uh, the insanity plea is always (laughs) very interesting to me because i feel like it never really works out for anyone (laughs) because it's really hard to prove that you just went insane especially if there's like no like medical history of that ever in one's life Granted, I know like things could happen throughout life that could change things, but it's hard to go get medical attention and help. But it's like mm-hmm. um, obviously something was wrong. Yeah, but I mean, at least something good came out of it at the end. Yeah, they've helped, I believe, over twenty three hundred children. Oh, that's awesome! With the with their program that they have, what they what they started. Look at that! Turn a negative into a positive. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that I think you top mine. I'll give you that one. Touche battle. I don't know how to spell that. Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> Illiterate. 
<laughs> I don't know Spanish. Anyway. <laughs> I don't think that's Spanish. I think that's French. T-T-C-H-E. That was the joke. T-C-H-E. I don't know. Maybe. No, that was a joke. Whatever you had. But that was also the episode. Do I have anything to plug? I don't. Just keep checking out the YouTube. Check out the social medias. You know, we out there. Battle. Do you have anything? Um. Yeah. If there's someone that... If any of you are editors we're looking for someone to do like some editing for us and yeah someone who's not gonna not communicate (laughs) i just had a very bad experience over these last couple weeks with someone editing and it's been very (laughs) i don't know have good communication skills be able to like answer me and not take three weeks to answer one question (laughs) yeah we're looking for someone to help us out and join the team as far as the back end stuff um, I think we're good on hosts, but we just <laughs> yes, yeah, we're not we're, good. we're not on other hosts. We're looking for someone that could do some editing for us, um, and just help us out. If you know anyone, or if you yourself think you feel up to it, please send us a message. Yeah, hit us up. It's not extensive work. <laughs> yeah, know. well, yeah, we really appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Thanks for listening. Kisses from the homies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we're recording.